0: In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman, time of Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town to Nazareth Gallery to Judah, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. While they were there the time came for the baby to be born, and Jesus gave birth to her firstborn, I'm sorry, and she gave birth to her firstborn a son, she wrapped him in the cloths, and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And the shepherds living out in the fields shepherds living out in the fields nearby kept watching over the flocks at night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news and great joy. They will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in the manger. Suddenly a great company of a heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth and peace to men in whom his favor's rest when the angel had left them and gone into heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go to bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the lord has told us about so they hurried off and found mary and joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger when they had seen him they spread the word concerning what had what had been told to them about this child and all who heard it and it was and they were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them but Mary said to, the, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorified, and praising God for all the things that he had heard and seen, which were just as they were, had been told. And on the eighth day, when it was time for to be circumcised him, he was named Jesus, the name that the angel had given him before he was conceived.
1: Amen. Well, church family, uh, as you've heard William read to us the text, and I thank you for that, brother, read to us the text from Luke chapter 2, I ask you to turn your Bibles there, as we are going to be here looking at this Christmas story. And in this, we are finishing our series, Behold, Ten Words of Wonder. And if you haven't been inside with us, maybe you've been volunteer with the kids ministry over the last couple weeks, or you had not been here for whatever purpose or reason, or maybe this is your first time joining us if you're watching this online especially. We've been looking at this series over the last three weeks, Behold Ten Words of Wonder. And we've been looking specifically at Luke 2.10 as our starting point. Where, as William just read in there a moment ago, as he's reading, he says, The angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And a few weeks ago, Pastor Walter delivered a message on fear not. Why why we should not fear as Christ's followers if you are in Christ. There, There should be no need for fear because of what has happened through Christ's finished work. And then last week we looked at, behold, good news. Behold, I bring you good news. And we we went from the Christmas story to the cross. And we looked at that and we, we understood the fact of why is it truly good news? Why is it good news that the angels herald about this newborn baby? It's because of what Jesus does. He goes and grows into a man and lives a perfect, sinless life and eventually goes to Calvary's cross bearing the weight of the sin of mankind upon his shoulder, taking on God's wrath in our place, dying on Calvary's cross and resurrecting from the grave three days later. And then today we look at this this culmination of this series, Great Joy for All the People. Great joy for all people. The people. And so I invite you, let's go ahead and look in there. I want to give you a quick recap though, just in verses one through seven. Now, when you come on Christmas Eve, if you're able to, or you watch it online, or you can see it afterwards, because we will have a stream. We'll put it on the website if you're not able to make it, or you're going out of town, or whatever reason, you'll be able to see it. But we're going to be all of our pastors that are going to be speaking. We're going to take this scripture and we're just going to all read it together. We're all going to worship. We're going to celebrate this Christmas story, but just very quickly, verses one through seven, I'm just going to read them again real quick and just offer a quick comment on them before we dive in really at verse eight. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that in the world, that all in the world should be registered. Okay, we got it. Census, got to do that. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered each of his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, in the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. That is very, very important. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, the one that he was to marry, his betrothed, who was with child. Obviously, this is Jesus. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. You know, one of the reasons we have great joy at looking at this passage today, one of the reasons, if you are a follower of Christ especially, that you have great joy is because it is for all people because God has sent His only begotten Son to this earth to eventually die for the sins of all mankind. This is the same Jesus, this baby that is born that we celebrate, this beautiful birth, That the angels are heralding in to the shepherd. This beautiful baby is the one that is with God in the beginning. We read about that in John in his Gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It reads In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything that was made. Let's stop for a moment and let's behold the beauty of that verse. Let's behold the beauty of the Christmas story. Jesus being born, it's not like it's this new creation that just comes out of nowhere at this moment. No, this is Jesus, part of the Trinity, who is there with God in the beginning. He is the Word made flesh. He has been born. And he will eventually go to Calvary's cross to die. So with that said, let's zone in on the rest of the passage that William read a moment ago, starting with verse 8. And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. Why is it great joy for all the people? This great joy must be proclaimed. This great joy must be proclaimed, number one. This great joy must be proclaimed. Look at verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Luke transitions here from what we read in verses 1-7 through of the actual birth and what happens there with Christ being born. He transitions here to this scene. And you can picture it in your mind. This scene out there in the fields. The shepherds are out there. They're doing their job. What they do week in, week out, day after day after day. They're just out there taking care of their sheep. And verse 9 tells us, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Just picture it in your mind. You can see it all coming in your mind and taking place as you read that. The angel of the Lord appeared to them. you imagine being out there in utter darkness? Doing your job, messing with the sheep, keeping watch over them, and out of nowhere, Boom! This great light. The glory of the Lord shining all around them. What is beautiful about that? Why must this great joy be proclaimed? Because we have to understand the fact that in the first century, when you would have a child, you would go and you would do your best to send it out to everyone. You wanted everyone to know. If you had the money, you would hire a herald. That's why the song says, Hark the herald, angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. In this moment, the, a heralding would take place. You were going to tell everybody, Hey, guess what? Little Johnny's born. Hey, we had the baby. We're going to herald it. We're going to send it out to everybody. We want everybody to know. And God does the same thing. except God do not have to hire a herald. He uses the angels to proclaim the glory of what has taken place. To herald the fact that His Son has been born. As we talked about last week, that is good news. Now, God does this with the angels. He heralds the good news of what has happened. But notice, He doesn't go to the religious leaders. You would think Knowing all that we know from the scriptures and what they would see as the scriptures at that time, the Old Testament, <clears throat> excuse me, the Old Testament, they would know based on that there's a Messiah that's coming. And we as the religious the moment that it takes place, God's going to tell us. God's going to make it known to us. He's going to make it perfectly clear. Yet what one would think doesn't happen. God doesn't take it to the religion. He doesn't take it to the governor. God takes it to ordinary shepherds. This is God Almighty, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. And He is proclaiming the news that His only Son has been born. As you heard me say last week, we turn the page from the Old Testament to the New, and we turn that page, and although it's a single turn for us, it's 400 years of silence from the Old Testament to the New. And in that divine moment, God speaks through the angels heralding that the Son of God has been born. Praise God. He shares this good news of great joy for all people to the outcast of society. He shares this good news of great joy to them. He doesn't go to the religious leaders. Which brings me to a moment where I need to add a little comment. Hello. Somebody was on social media. It's all good. May have been my sister. Anyways, um, but God brings this moment of good news that's great joy for all people and He proclaims it through these, to these shepherds, these ordinary people, these outcasts, and He skips the religious leaders, which when I was preparing and looking at this, it reminded me of something and I have to say it. And I pray this isn't us in this room. I pray it's not you watching online. But it could very well be. There could be people that are sitting in our pews in any of our churches. There could be people that are watching online. That know the Scriptures. That attend church weekly. From time to time. They'll engage in a Bible study. They'll do things. But it's all here. And there hasn't been a radical transformation here. They haven't truly experienced the good news that we talked about last week of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Their hearts haven't been radically changed. And I pray, if that is any of us here, anybody watching online, that today would be a day of a massive heart change for you in salvation. Because it's good news of great joy for all people. For all who would repent and believe. So he comes and does this. Who were these shepherds? I mentioned a moment ago, they're these ordinary people, these outcasts of society. They were the lowest of the lows. Some of them were previous criminals. Some of them were uneducated. At times, the youngest son would be the shepherd. But if you could afford it for a slave to do it, you would have a slave do it. The religious leaders looked down upon the shepherds. Because they were never able to go into the temple. Because what are they doing? They're keeping watch of their flock by night, night, after night, after night. And if anybody has, you can raise your hand. If you've ever gone to the Coastal Carolina Fair and walked through the little zoo part, anybody? Okay. It don't smell good in there, does it? It is not a pleasant aroma. It does not smell like a nice walk into the welcome center where you smell Christmas. It doesn't smell like that. No, it's a nasty smell. And just imagine these shepherds out in the fields, around their sheep, over and over and over. They stink. Now there's a whole sermon in that, that they smell like their sheep, because they're continually taking care of their sheep. That's a message in itself for shepherds, for the congregation of the flock. But they're these lowest of the low. At times, they were spiritually unclean because they didn't know God. It makes me want to think and stop for a moment and ask the question. Don't answer out loud. Have you ever felt like a shepherd? You ever felt dirty in the sight of God? You ever felt unwanted? You ever felt like you're useless? You ever feel like you're an outcast? Here's the beauty of it. No matter how you feel or how you think that you are, God sees value in you. Because you were made in his image, and he sent his only son to die in your place. And praise God for that. Pay attention to what is happening here. In this moment, the good news of Christ's birth is being proclaimed by God's heavenly host, heralding the good news. And if you are in Christ, you have been commissioned to proclaim this good news as well. That is why this great joy must be proclaimed. Because there are people that don't know Christ Jesus as Lord. There are people that we love that are in our families that we work with that are next door to us that are down the hall from us that do not know the power that is in Christ's sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection from the grave. The great joy that we have must be proclaimed. Secondly, This great joy is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Look at me with verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. We've been talking about this verse week after week over these last three. And, and Walter did a great job with Fear Not, and, and I preached through good news last week, so let's focus just on the middle to end good news. Great joy for all the people. Great joy for all the people. Now, just as a quick recap of the good news. The good news is the gospel. The good news is that God's redemptive plan is in motion. It has happened. The silence has ended. The good news has been heralded. Now this is it. It is moving. It is happening. Jesus has been born. He has been born. The good news has been that the the prophesied Messiah is born. He's no longer coming. He has come. There's no more need to wander in darkness. The Messiah has come. Not only has He come, but He lives this sinless life. He defeats sin and death. And although He has sentenced a horrific death on the cross, He lives. He resurrects from the grave. That is the good news. Now, the angels also say great joy. There is great joy because, as mentioned, the Messiah is now here. The prophecies of God's Old Testament have begun to come true. It is taking place. And there's one prophecy in particular that I want us to camp out in for just a moment. First off, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We're going to look at 6 and 7, but just verse 6 first. For to us, this is Isaiah speaking. God is speaking through Isaiah here in this moment. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now let's break that down for a minute. That first part. The son that is given is Christ Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. Now this one's not on the screen, but as we mentioned last week, you can jot it down in your notes. Micah 5.8. The prophecy of Micah of Bethlehem. The place where the Messiah would be born. It has happened. It's fulfilled. The next part. The government shall be upon His shoulder. At last, at last there will be One who will reign supreme over His people, over all people, over all creation. Remember, church, as Jesus grows into a man and lives this sinless, perfect life, and He sacrificed on Calvary's cross in our place, defeats sin and death, and resurrects, what does he say to his followers before he ascends back into heaven? He gives them the Great Commission. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. But what does Jesus say before the Great Commission that we know? All. Authority and on heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has all authority. He is the one that is in control. That is why Isaiah 9, 6 tells us the government shall be upon his shoulder. Because he shall reign forevermore. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful counselor. It comes from this translation of these wondrous signs and the giving of wise advice. Jesus would come to do signs and wonders and give wisdom in His teachings. He would also give us the gift of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us when we profess Christ, does He not? And that is our God in this life. We come before the Lord and we cry out to Him, God lead me and through the power of the Spirit and the Word of God living and active, God speaks to us. God directs us. He is our wonderful counselor. He is the one when we have great news that we want to proclaim and we're joyful and we're excited and we come before him. He is the one, Abba, Father, God Almighty, thank you for what you've done. He's also the one when we're facing difficult times and it's hard like 2020 and all the pain and anguish and anxiety that this world brings. He's the one when we go to him and say, Abba, Father, God Almighty, I need you. And He is there continually every single moment. He is our wonderful Counselor. And He's also given us the truth of His Scriptures. And in doing so, we know from James 1.5 when we are in need of something and we need wisdom to seek out counsel from God, we come before and James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. That is the beauty of the gospel in and of itself. God Almighty gives generously. I don't know about you, but I don't deserve Christ's sacrifice on the cross. I don't deserve Him dying in my place. But God generously, lovingly, in mercy and grace, gave Jesus Christ in my place. And if that's what He's going to do, you better believe if you need something you cry out to Him for wisdom or anything like that, that wonderful counselor is going to give it to you generously praise god for that back to isaiah 9 6 it says mighty god he's divine and he's a warrior pastor walter mentioned it a couple weeks ago with the fear not but there's a day coming when the great high priest jesus christ the great chief shepherd when he appears he's coming back like a warrior ready to fight And when he returns, he will take Satan, just as I said last week, and he will throw him in the pit and lock it, throw away the key. No more pain, no more suffering, no more temptation in this life. Defeated. Satan was already defeated on Calvary's cross in the resurrection of Jesus because sin had lost its sting. But oh, the day when our chief priest Our great high priest Jesus Christ returns as a warrior. Satan is done, locked away forever. Everlasting Father. Jesus would play as this fatherly figure to his followers, and as our King, he does the same. And here's the beauty of it it's everlasting, it's eternal eternal it's not temporary like this life it's not a moment that passes in time and then is gone it's eternal it's everlasting and then this one prince of peace Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who brings peace between man and God because of His finished work on Calvary's cross. He's the one who can bring peace to your weary soul, even at this moment. I've already mentioned it. It's not a surprise to any of us. This year has been one for the trash can. It hasn't been a good year in terms of earthly standards. It's been rough. It's been hard. We've had to lock ourselves down in homes for many, many, many months it feels like. We have to wear masks during services. We have to be fearful of a virus. We have to question if a vaccine will work. We have to do all these things and we have to remember that in the midst of the difficulty there is one constant present thing jesus is there always we cry out to god our father and ask him for wisdom and we trust him in the midst of the uncertainty if you remember from first peter five when we covered that three weeks ago now when we were going through our series he says that that we come before him we bring our cares to him because he cares for us We bring those worries, those anxieties. We cast those on him because he cares for us. And he's with us always. But I also want to encourage you with something. Excuse me. Although this year has been difficult by earthly standards, I said earthly standards. In godly standards, this has still been a wonderful year. And we'll talk more about this next week as we finish up the year, but I want you to still be encouraged because God has still been moving and working in his churches. He's been doing it all over. He's especially been doing it not only at Holmes Avenue, but he's been doing it in the Park Circle family of churches. He's been opening doors that were closed or that were barely opened with schools. Matter of fact, he has taken the door off the hinges for us at Hersey. (laughs) We had three people come to faith in Christ this year. We had two last year. God's not done. And in the midst of the things that are difficult and hard, the Prince of Peace is there always. So when it looks rough, when it is rough, run to Him. Because He is the Prince of Peace. And His eternal kingdom will bring us peace Forever. I always love the verse in Revelation. There will be a day when there are no more crying, no more tears. He will wipe them all away from our eyes and death shall be no more. We will be in the presence of the Lord forever, crying worthy as the Lamb. Glorifying Him and praising Him for who He is and what He's done. Now, look at Isaiah 9-7 with me. Of the increase of government and of peace, there will be no end. In the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That first part there, the increase of Christ's government will be continual and there will be no end to the peace just as I said a moment ago. Jesus will sit and reign on the throne of David. Make a note right there in your Bible. Make a note on your notes that you're writing. Put Matthew 1. Go back and read through the genealogy of Jesus. You may hear me say that and say, Brian, you know how difficult it is to read a genealogy? It's hard. I understand. There's a lot of names that you can't pronounce. But I guarantee you, if you stop for a little bit of time and you trace back all through Matthew 1 and you look at that genealogy, it takes you all the way from Adam to Christ. And there's some powerful testimony of people who were jacked up, messed up, sinful people, yet God still used as part of the Davidic line that would lead to Christ. King David being one of them. Jesus establishes that throne forever. He will establish it and uphold this kingdom with justice and righteousness from this point forth and for all eternity. And this idea there, this notion of the zeal of the Lord, it's this devotion to God to fulfill His plan. Jesus does this. Again, the beauty of the Old Testament, the prophecies that are fulfilled in the new in Christ, they're all about Jesus. And so it's great joy and it's for all people. Back to Luke 2.10. Again, at the end of it, great joy that will be for all people. We know from Luke's writing that he's writing to Theophilus. You remember that from the intro if you read in his gospel? You read that and he's writing. And he's not just writing to the Jewish uh, people that are listening. He's writing to Gentile believers. These people that are Gentiles, they'll hear this news of what is happening. And it's being for Christ. This context may assume that the angels there, as they're proclaiming this good news, they're in the field and they're heralding it. They, They may be specifically talking about the people of Israel. Maybe that's what they're talking about. You may read that and think, well, maybe that's what it is. No. No. It's good news for all people. In the future from this passage, as Jesus is being presented in the temple, just a few verses later, And Jesus is being presented there in the temple out of Luke. We know, and just if you got it right there in your Bible, you can make a note, 223. Just make a note of that, and you can go back and read through that. After this narrative of of what is happening at Jesus' birth and what the angels are doing and what the shepherds are doing, we know that Jesus is presented in the temple. And when he is presented in the temple, there is Simeon, and I've referenced him before. But he is this faithful person that follows God. He is devout. And the Holy Spirit told him that he would not see death until he sees Christ. This is why this is very important for all people. Because in Luke 2.32, after Simeon proclaims this goodness and worships God for what he has done by letting him see the Lord's Christ, he says that Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. He is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. It's good news because, folks, we fall into that Gentile category. We're not the people of Israel, but we are people that are Gentiles. Thank God, as we read through the rest of the scriptures, the book of Acts, Paul is saved. And Paul goes and does what? Proclaims the gospel, proclaims the good news. He's got people all kind of like confused. This is the guy that was hating us because we were followers and killing us. And now he's proclaiming the good news. What is this? But Paul would go and he would proclaim this good news. The disciples would continue to proclaim the good news. It would go out and out and out. It is the fulfillment of something that Simeon says there. A revelation to the Gentiles. This good news brings great joy for all people because it's not just for the people of Israel. It's for all who would repent and believe. Repent of their sins and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And believe in their heart that God has resurrected Him from the grave. Praise God for this good news of great joy. Next thing we see is this great joy produces worship. Luke 2.11 Luke 2.11 for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. We see this reference here in verse 11 to the city of David. Again, pointing to that Davidic line. And we also see these three titles in the verse. The Savior. Christ the Lord. So beautiful. There's a Gospel message right there in The verse. He is the Savior of the world. He is Christ. He is the Lord. And again, verse 12, the angel then tells the shepherds what to be looking for to identify Christ. This is what you will see. Now look at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on the earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There's that image in your mind again. Hearing the angel proclaim this and then all these heavenly hosts. Can you imagine being there in that moment? Whoa. All that there before you. After the good news has been shared with the shepherds by the angel, a multitude appear. And this good news of great joy for all people of this newborn Messiah, it produces worship for God as these heavenly hosts proclaim it. And if we fast forward in the scriptures, we see a picture of this in John's revelation. In John chapter 5, verse 13. It says, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen indeed. This beautiful picture of what is to come. We get a glimpse of it at the moment of the heralding of the good news. All of these angels, these heavenly hosts there before the shepherds, proclaiming what they're going to see in the newborn King. Glory to God in the highest and on the earth. Peace among those with whom He is pleased. God, we want to produce this worship to You. We want to cry it out to You because it's You alone who have done this. You alone who deserves all of the glory. Which brings me to a question. Don't answer out loud. What about for us? What about for us? Does this good news of Christ's birth, His life, His death, His resurrection, does it produce a response to worship in us? Or have we just kind of gone with the flow? Are we truly beholding this good news and almost brought to our knees in worship? God, you have done this. God, you have come and sent your Son for a lowly sinner like me. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Does it produce worship in us? Lastly, this great joy demands a response. Look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, then the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. The angels are gone and the shepherds are there and they're saying, yo, we gotta go. God has made this very clear to us. We must go. And church, if you are in Christ, God has made the good news very clear to you. If you're watching online and you are a follower of Jesus, God has made the good news very clear to you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Are you doing like these shepherds and saying, we must go? Knowing what God has shown us, what God has revealed to us, we must go. And verse 16 tells us, And they went with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They have their little meeting real fast. They say, yo, we've got to go and see this. And scriptures say that they go with haste. And you've heard me reference the word haste before. Some of you probably remember what it means. But it means to go very quickly. We don't say the word haste much around here. I don't think we ever do. I don't tell anybody, hey, I gotta I gotta go with haste to get to work. No, I gotta go quickly. I gotta put the foot to the pedal to the metal. Don't say anything. (laughs) Don't say anything. Your pastor accidentally bumped into Trisha's car last Sunday after church. We got it worked out. But that was a joke for them. But we go with haste. They jet out of there as quickly as possible to go and see. God has made something abundantly clear to us. It was not the weird stuff that we had for dinner that made all that happen. These angels have appeared before us. The heavenly hosts have heralded the good news. we got to go. Holmes Avenue... Anybody else? (laughs) If you're a follower of Jesus, God has made it abundantly clear to you what He has done. And there are people, there's an urgency. We know it. We talk about it week after week. We pray about it every single day. There's an urgency that the harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. Let's get up and let's go. The Gospel needs to be proclaimed because folks, I don't know if you paid attention, but about a month ago, About a month ago, we watched an OCC video. And in that video, they talked about how they're collecting all this data and they're seeing all this stuff of where all these shoeboxers are going. And they said within the next 10 years, within the next 10 years, they could get every single known people group, something sent out to them. That means the gospel going out to them. And you know from scriptures, that means that Jesus may be coming soon. There is an urgency to the call. This good news must be proclaimed. It must produce worship in us. This great joy that wells up inside of us, it has to be something where a response is given and taken out because people are dying and being separated from God for all eternity. They need to hear the good news. It is needed. And if we can't physically do anything about it, we can pick up a phone and call somebody. We can write letters. We can do anything. If we can do something about it, then let's do it. Because there's an urgency still to the call. And that moment there with that with haste, we remember, if you remember the Christmas story, back when the angel comes to tell Mary, hey, you're going to be having the Messiah What does Mary do? She gets up and with haste, she goes to Elizabeth, her relative, to tell her what happened. We see this play out before us. There's an example there for us demanding a response and an urgency to go quickly. And then 17 and 18 says, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. Hey, this happened to us. We want you to know about it. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her... Can you imagine Mary there in that moment? She's just lived through all of this. She's seen all of this happen. She's trying to put together all the pieces of the puzzle. She might be wondering why? Why me? What is all of this that's happening? But I remember also from the same point in Luke 1 that I referenced a minute ago where she goes with haste, after the Lord tells her what's going to happen through Gabriel, she worships God. And she says that she is a servant of the Lord. Do unto me as according to your word. That there will preach as well. And then 20 and 21, and the shepherds return, glorifying God and praising God for all that they had heard and seen and it had been told to them angels went and proclaimed this good news the shepherds heard it they went and saw what it was they were like wow this is truly it and they returned back to their field praising god you got to believe that they were joyful you got to believe that there was so much joy in them for what god had revealed to them and at the end of eight days when he was circumcised he was called jesus The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Speaks for itself there. They follow the custom. Eight days later, Jesus is circumcised. He is named Jesus just as God called him to be named. And then later on, we see that he is presented in the temple. And then the gospel plays out for us everything that leads to the cross and the resurrection. So I want to ask you today. We're going to move into a time of the Lord's Supper before we sing our last song of praise together. And in the middle of this Christmas season, I don't know where you are personally. I don't know what has been going on in your life. I know that it's been crazy for all of us. But if you're here today and you don't know Christ as Lord, you don't know the, the impact of the good news in your life. And I would dare say if you don't know the impact of that good news in your life because you don't know Christ as Lord, you're not saved, there's not true joy there. There are things in this life that can bring temporary pleasures, that can bring temporary what we think is joy, but the eternal joy of Christ and His finished work and defeat of sin and death and the resurrection from the cross, that is eternal joy. And knowing that because we are saved. If you are here watching and you are saved and you know Christ Jesus is Lord, what are you doing with it? Are we proclaiming this? Is it producing worship in us? Are we taking the, 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 the demanding response to go with haste and tell everybody about this great joy that is for all people if they would repent and believe? I want to challenge you. Before we move into the Lord's Supper, I just want to have a time of, of reflection and response. Take this moment to, to pray and ask God what it is that He would have you do. I'm going to stay here for a minute. That He would have you do. Maybe it's today is the day of salvation for you, and if that is, and you need prayer, I would love to pray with you before partaking the Lord's Supper and lead you in that. But Maybe today is a day of just needing to say, Lord, I repent. And I need to get serious about the call of my life as a follower of Jesus. Let's take a moment, let's quietly reflect and pray. And then we'll continue in our service. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you for the great joy that we have in you. Father, I thank you, Lord, that although we are sinners, Lord, separated from you, God, you sent your son, this beautiful baby, born of the virgin, to live a perfect, sinless life that would lead to Calvary's cross where he would suffer taking your wrath on him until the moment he cried out it is finished and committed his spirit to you coming off of the cross being buried and resurrecting on the third day this is the Jesus we celebrate and we worship Father I thank you For those of us in Christ, Lord, that know you, we are saved and we have been given the Holy Spirit whom dwells in us. I thank you for your word, Lord, and the fact that you lead us through the power of your spirit in looking at your word that is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. How you move and work in us, God, it's so incredible. But Lord, after hearing the message today for those that are with us in person, those that are with us online, Lord, I don't know where their hearts are right now, Lord, and I just pray for them. And I ask God that if they do not know you as Savior and Lord, maybe today would be the day of salvation. And if your spirit is drawing near to them, Father, that they would confess Christ Jesus as Lord, repenting of their their sins. Father, for those of us that are followers of you, Lord, as we move into this busy week, Lord, I pray that we would truly remember, reflect on what you have done for us by sending Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would be serious about the call in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ to herald the good news to those that you have divinely placed us around. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would see more and more people. Lord, we pray and ask for at least 21 more, Lord. I just pray, God, that you would move and work and, Lord, that people would come to faith in Jesus, Lord, because every man, woman, and child in this circle of accountability that is around us needs to hear the good news. I pray, God, that you would save many souls, not just through the working of Holmes Avenue Baptist, but, Lord, through the other sister churches right here around us. I pray, God, that you would be glorified, that you would move and work. And I pray this in Christ's strong name. Amen.